Mike here this morning to share the word with you and his lovely wife, Miss Jelaine. Thank you guys for joining us. Come on up, Brother Mike. Good morning. Happy Easter morning. My name is Mike Eddy, and my lovely wife of soon-to-be 33 years, Jelaine, is right here on the front row. Would you at least wave to this congregation? I love her. We have two children. They are both grown. Our son, Micah, is a student at Southwestern Assembly of God University, and he travels with the Harvesters uh, Gospel Quartet on Sundays. And our daughter is married to the youth pastor at Timber Creek Church in Lufkin. That's East Texas. And they have given to us the greatest gift, I guess, that they could have. Our first grandson, his name is Gideon Cash Wolverton. And he will soon be two years old. And he's great. And I wonder if there's any other grandparents in the house this morning. <laughs> Do you enjoy grandkids? Praise the Lord. I also want to say thank you very much for allowing us to be here with you. We certainly enjoyed this worship service. I, I have already felt the presence of the Lord here richly in the service this morning. I'm going to read from Luke's gospel, and as soon as I get my other glasses on, I'll tell you where. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and I may not read the entire passage of verses 13 through 32, but this is the story that I certainly want to share with you this morning. It happened after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and uh, certain ones of the disciples had seen the Lord. Mary Magdalene had seen him at this point. But let's go ahead and begin reading with Luke chapter 24. And verse 31, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. And went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it would it had been him, he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company 
made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools! And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone on further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with me, or rather, abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? The title of my message this morning is The Emmaus Road. The Road to Emmaus. According, oh let me give you the points. Every sermon has to have points. Number one, on the Emmaus Road, disciples travel in sorrow. You remember that Jesus, as he appeared to them, he said, what kind of communication are you all having? It looks like you all are sad. So those that travel the Emmaus Road travel in sorrow. Number two, on the Emmaus Road, Disciples are accompanied by the Savior, though unrecognized. Point number three. On the Emmaus Road, the Savior opens the Scriptures. And point number four. On the Emmaus Road, the Savior is revealed at supper. I like the way you're all shouting this morning. Just continue that shouting, all right? <laughs> According to a most, or rather the most comprehensive U.S. mental health survey in a decade, almost half of all Americans experience mental illness at some time in their lives. And almost a third are afflicted in any one year. The study also found that the most common disorder was the major depressive episode. The of at least two weeks of symptoms such as low mood and low, or excuse me, loss of pleasure. Clinical depression occurs when five or more of the following symptoms are expressed. Feelings of sadness and or irritability, loss of interest of pleasure in activities once enjoyed, changes in weight or appetite, Changes in sleep patterns, 
feelings of guilt, hopelessness, or worthlessness, an inability to concentrate, to remember things or make decisions, fatigue or loss of energy, restlessness or decreased activity noticed by others, thoughts of death or suicide. One or two of these symptoms indicates a depressive episode or depressive feeling, but five or more of them is clinical depression, a more serious and weighty issue. On that seven to eight mile trip to Emmaus, these two disciples were clearly disheartened, disappointed, discouraged, devastated, disillusioned, disbelieving, and maybe even disgusted. Have you ever been there? The Emmaus brothers had invested heavily in following Jesus. They had left family and friends, their careers, their dreams and aspirations. They had sold out. All their eggs were in one basket. Their bridges were burned behind them. They had no plan B, exit strategy, in case this ministry thing didn't pan out. Jesus had clearly told them, but it did not register that he must die and be raised again on the third day. The Jews remembered it. They secured the tomb with a Roman company to keep Jesus in the grave. But as far as Cleopas and his companion were concerned, Jesus was dead. If Jesus is dead, that's a big problem for Christians. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, listed all the difficulties. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 20 informs us that if Christ is not risen, then number one, our preaching is in vain. Number two, we are found false witnesses of God. And you know that God takes a dim view of false witnesses. One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not bear false witness. Number three, if Christ is dead, you are still in your sins. That's according to verse 17. Number four, if Christ is still dead, then they which have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And number five, if Christ is dead, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But, verse 20, now is Christ risen from the dead. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful that he is alive from the dead. So you may be walking in sorrow this morning, but I've got good news. And that is the very same Jesus that walked with these brothers down to Emmaus on that occasion is in this auditorium this morning. He said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. You may be depressed this morning. You may be disheartened and discouraged. There may be family issues, physical problems. I don't know what all is in this house. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I'm telling you that Jesus is here. Isn't it interesting that he was with them, but they did not recognize him. 
there was something mysterious that took place in Jesus upon his resurrection. And that change had been wrought in the person of our Lord that neither Mary in the garden, you remember Mary thought that he was the gardener. Can you imagine? She's, she's turning around, she's looking for Jesus, the young man in a white garment in the tomb itself said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. She said, Oh, show me where you've laid him. I'll, I'll come and take his body away. She turns then into the garden. There's a man that must have had his bib front overhauls on or something because she assumed he was the gardener. He, she said, Oh, tell me where you've laid him. And all he said was, Mary. And she just fell apart. Rabboni, she called him. Hallelujah, that means master, teacher. She recognized him. And isn't it interesting that she's the first one. And this Mary, the one out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons, is the first evangelist to ever preach the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. She comes back, returns to her own company. She tells them all about it, but they're not believing. Oh, my, my. Till they who gazed on him were placed. This is commentary by pulpit, commentary. Till they who gazed upon him were placed in something of spiritual harmony with the Lord. They could not recognize him. The two on their walk to Emmaus and Mary Magdalene in the garden were preoccupied with their sorrow. The Fisher disciples on the lake were preoccupied with their work so that the vision of the divine was obscured. The risen Christ will surely fulfill his own words, quote, the pure in heart, they shall see God, but only the pure in heart. How many times do we fail to see Jesus in our circumstances? I heard about a man, maybe it was in those Houston floods, but his home was flooded. And as the waters rose, he climbed from one level to the next until he was out there on the roof. He was praying all the time, Lord, save me from this flood. Along came two men in a rowboat and said, get in our boat. We'll save you. We'll take you to freedom. And he said, no, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And so they rowed off. After a while, there was a helicopter that showed up and lowered a basket for him to get in. And on the loudspeaker, they said, just climb in the basket. We'll carry you to safety. He said, no, thanks. I'm just waiting for the Lord. The waters continued to rise until he was drowned and ultimately stood before the Lord. And he said, Lord, why didn't you save me? I was waiting for you to save me. The Lord said, I sent you two men in a rowboat. I sent you somebody in a helicopter. Mm -hmm, I like the way you're shouting this morning. How many times has the Lord sent somebody to help us? And in that person was Jesus manifested and we did not recognize him. One of these days, Jesus is going to sit in judgment and he's going to call what he calls the sheep nations on the right hand side and the goat nations on the left. And he's going to say, I was sick 
and in prison and you did not visit me. Talking to the goat nations. I, I was naked and you did not clo clothe me. I was hungry and you did not feed me. Oh, they're going to say, when, when were you naked and we didn't uh, clothe you? And when were you hungry and we didn't feed you? And when were you sick and in prison and we didn't visit you? And he said, inasmuch as you have done it, not done it unto the least of these, have you not done it unto me? What? He's saying that, he's saying that those folks in some way are representing Jesus. Could it be that this resurrected Christ, even 2,000 years after, we, after this incident that we just read about, that Jesus is still manifesting himself among us. He's walking with us when we're in our sorrow and when, when we're in our, our, our uh, depressive episode, but we just don't recognize him uh, any more than Cleopas recognized him or his companion recognized him. I want to encourage you because he's invisible this morning, but by his spirit, he wants to manifest himself to you. He wants to make himself real to you in your very point of need. He couldn't do it if he wasn't resurrected. Jesus said it's expedient for you. That means it's profitable for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. But when I go, I'll send you another comforter and he will abide with you forever. My friend, on the day of Pentecost, he came and he's still here on this earth praise the Lord he used to he used to visit us vertically but now he's visiting us horizontally uh, everyone that's filled with the Holy Ghost carries that wonderful stream with inside uh, from inside and shares with one another and Jesus the resurrected Christ is still ministering to us even though many times unrecognized among us praise the Lord Jesus said, well, there's an old song that says he was there all the time, standing somewhere in line. But I'm so grateful that we have found him. You're here today, and that's evidence that you have made communication with him. Number three, the Emmaus Road, on the Emmaus Road, the Savior opens the Scriptures. Do you know how important the Scriptures are? Praise the Lord. I was talking to Rick on the phone yesterday, and he said that you folks have Sunday school. You know, I commend you for having Sunday school because many churches are doing away with Sunday school now, and we're finding that our leadership in Springfield is having to put out an initiative on biblical literacy. I'm finding in Assembly of God churches People that don't know because we're in the post-Christian era in America. They don't know the story of Jonah and the whale. They don't know the story of David and Goliath. Somehow we have gotten away from the importance of this book. Now I thought about it and I looked at the, 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 uh, the statistics on the book of Luke as I was reading this morning. The book of Luke that we just read from was written somewhere between 63 and 68 A.D. It's nearly, this is nearly a 2,000-year-old book that I read to you from. It was translated into English in 1611, and that's the version that I read to you from this morning. Such an old book, 
telling such an old story, but I want you to know that it's just as relevant today as it was when, the, when that beloved physician Luke wrote it between 63 and 68 A.D. And I want to encourage you, those of you that may not be reading that book, to begin reading the scriptures again. This is how Jesus revealed himself to these two men on the Emmaus Road. He opened the scriptures concerning him. Praise the Lord. Did you know they say, they say that, excuse me, the odds against a prophecy, a Bible prophecy being fulfilled, if for every detail in that prophecy, you double the odds against its fulfillment. For instance, if I prophesied to a woman in this house, ma'am, you're going to have a baby. The chances of her having a baby are 50-50. Either she will or she won't. But with every additional detail of that prophecy, you double the odds against its fulfillment. So if I say, baby, you're going to have a baby, and that ba it's going to be a baby boy, well, you double the odds against the fulfillment. That baby boy is going to have blonde hair. There's another detail. You double the odds against its fulfillment. That baby's going to have blue eyes. There's another detail. They say that, <clears throat> that with, e with every detail, you double the odds against it. Now, consider that there are 333 Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. 333 Old Testament uh, prophecies concerning the Messiah. I'm going to read to you some of them because these are the scriptures that Jesus opened to the Emmaus brothers on the way down there. But, but the odds, and I don't have the, the figure, but the odds against the fulfillment of that many details in a prophecy are so great that it would, it would be like filling the state of Texas with silver dollars a foot deep and marking one of those silver dollars red, turning somebody loose at Texarkana and telling them, find that red silver dollar. And I'm here to tell you that all 333 of those details concerning the Messiah were fulfilled to the letter in this book. This book is alive. Don't ever compare, compare this book to better homes and gardens. I'm telling you, this is the greatest work of literature that you will ever read. And this is exactly how Jesus dis decided uh, uh, to manifest himself to those brothers down on that seven, eight mile trip is to open the scriptures to them. Verse 25 says, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Don't you hate it? Wouldn't you hate it if a man you just met for the first time and he calls you a fool? <laughs> oh, fools and slow of heart uh, to understand. So he begins opening the scriptures. The books of Moses, let's take the books of Moses. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 is the first one. He is speaking, the Lord himself, to the woman that partook of the fruit illegally. Eve is her name, and because of her mess up, we are all messed up. But he said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So Jesus is in Genesis 3.15.
Exodus 12 is the story of the first Passover lamb. You remember the children of Israel in Egypt, and they're about to get out of there. The last of the ten plagues is the death angel is going to pass over. And the Lord said to Moses, you tell the children of Israel to kill a lamb. Every family, take a lamb. If you're too poor, then you go in to, with your neighbor and you kill a lamb. You roast it. You, you put the blood in a container and with hyssop, you put it over the doorpost of the house. And then you stay in the house. And what you do is you're eating that roast lamb. And the death angel's going to be passing over. And the firstborn of every household that doesn't have blood applied to the door is going to die. And so it was from Pharaoh's house all the way down in Egypt that there was a great cry of, 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 of sorrow that came forward but that everybody that was in the house that was covered by the blood do you know what that is that's a that's a picture of the Lord Jesus I'm sure that he reminded those guys of that as they're walking down there to Emmaus Leviticus 16 1 through 34 is the picture of the scapegoat where there's two goats he said you put your hand on the head of one of them and you pronounce and you put all the sin on him send him off into the wilderness but the other goat you you kill that goat as a sacrifice. It's a picture of Jesus. In, in uh, Numbers chapter 21 and verse 9, the Bible says that the children of Israel were grumbling and moaning and complaining and the Lord sent fiery serpents among them and they bit the people and the people died. There's only a certain percentage of snakes that are poison. It must have been that percentage that the Lord, I said the Lord sent to the children of Israel because of their grumbling, because of their murmuring and their complaining. And they bit the people and they died. And so they requested for Moses, ask the Lord to get rid of the serpents. That's a logical prayer request. Moses requests, Lord, get rid of the serpents. But the Lord did not answer that prayer request like they asked. Have you ever asked a prayer request and the Lord didn't answer it be the way that you wanted, hmm, the, the way that you would like to have it answered? But he said, you, Moses, make a serpent out of brass and you stick it on a pole and you lift it up and every person that's been bit by a snake that looks at that brazen serpent he's going to live and so that's what Jesus reminded Nicodemus when he came to him at night, Nick at night, he said, oh, even so, as that, that brazen serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, he said, even so I, if I, the Son of Man, am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I'm telling you, these are the scripture verses that Jesus reminded these brothers of. Exodus 17, 1 through 6. The picture of the rock smitten. You know the children of Israel are down there in that wilderness and there's no water. My, 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 they're needing water. And so the Lord tells Moses, you take that rod, that's the rod that parted the Red Sea, that's the rod that he threw down and it turned into a serpent. He took it by the tail and it turned into a rod again. That, that's the same rod that he used in Pharaoh's court. My, my, my. He said, you take that rod and you strike that rock. And he struck that rock and the Bible says water gushed out of that rock sufficient to slake the thirst of over 2 million Jews in that wilderness. Back in 88 we were preaching in Denver and I was riding with the pastor 
And I said, what is the population of Denver, Colorado? He said, about two million. Now, I want you to notice that that's about the size of the camp of Israel that were without water. And when Moses struck that rock, it provided enough to slake the thirst of that big a town. My friend, it wasn't just a trickle. And this was a picture of what Jesus was to do for us. In 737 of John, on the last day of the feast, that great day of the feast, he stood and he said, if any of you are thirsty, let him come unto me. And he that believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Spirit that they should receive. Hallelujah. That had not come yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. But now, dear friend, Jesus has been glorified and that Holy Ghost has come. And many of you that are in this house know about that river that's flowing from the inside. Mm, praise the Lord. I'm sure that he told those guys. He reminded them, Isaiah 53 and verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. I'm sure he read that one to them. Uh, Isaiah 50, well, he probably had it memorized. Did you know that the, the rabbis, it was common for them to have to uh, have memorized the first five books of the Bible. Many of these guys had the, the entire Torah memorized. Oh, he's that now that's the that's Moses' law. Let's get into the prophets. Isaiah 53 and 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I said, with his stripes we are healed. Is there anybody here that needs healing? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet we open or excuse me yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a sheep before his shearers is dumb so he openeth not his mouth Zechariah chapter 12 and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn I pray that there's nobody here that's ever experienced that, that you've lost your firstborn son. But I'm telling you, it's poignant. It brings it right down to where we live this morning. In that 13th chapter of Zechariah, he goes on to say in verse 6, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then shall he answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I'm telling you, I'm sure Jesus reminded those Emmaus brothers of that one as they were walking. To continue in verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Isaiah 7, 14, i got to hurry. Therefore the Lord himself shall 
shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. These are all of the verses. And this is just scratching the surface of those passages that Jesus shared with Cleopas and his partner as they were walking down to Emmaus. 16th verse. For dogs have compassed me. Oh, let me get down to this Psalms 22. I can't leave you without this. Psalms 22 is a messianic psalm. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Is there any doubt in your mind who the psalmist is talking about? I'm telling you this is an absolute fulfillment of those events that Jesus suffered. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Oh, thank God for that virgin birth. This is fundamental to Christianity. If you can't believe that, that, that a, a virgin can conceive, that the Holy ghost can come upon him and, and, and that child be born of incorruptible seed and be the son of God, then you can't even get in at the first gate as a Christian. Hallelujah. But then finally, number four, point number four, he was revealed to them at supper time. Days far spent, King James said. The night was at hand. It's going to be difficult to travel at night. So, friend, why don't you just come and stay with us this evening? Even though Jesus made as though he would go on further. He gave into their request and he came. And Can you imagine Jesus coming to your house? Lord, you take him down the hallway, show him where the towels are. Make yourself at home. They didn't know he was the one. But... It was common hospitality, just like you would show somebody that came to your house. Get washed up, Lord. We got dinner on. So he sits with them, and, and they give him the opportunity of breaking the bread. So he takes the bread, and, and he blesses it. I believe there may have been a clue in the way that Jesus blessed the food. And he broke it, and he gave it to them. And the Bible says, their eyes were open. And I can just imagine Cleopas said to the other guy, it's, it's, and it's, and about, the Bible says, he vanished out of their midst. He absolutely vanished. My, what? Now, now, have you ever asked the question, why did he not reveal who he was until supper time? Did you ever ask the question when the disciples were out in the fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus came to them walking on the water? It wasn't until the fourth watch of the night. It, the night was about over. Have you ever wondered why your prayer request wasn't answered the first time you prayed? Why it did, didn't seem like the Lord was anywhere in the county while you're needing Him. And, and, and you wonder, What's the reality of what people say the Lord may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time? Has the Lord ever missed the deadline 
Has the Lord ever been a long time answering your prayer requests? How long did it take him to really reveal himself to you? There was a preacher in Dallas by the name of Truett. And he was in a, as a young man, he and some friends were hunting. And Truett's shotgun accidentally went off and wounded severely his friend who was the chief of police. His life was hanging in the balance for days. Truett and all of his church were interceding in prayer for his friend's healing. But the man died. Truett couldn't sleep. He said to his wife, my ministry is over. How could I ever climb back in the pulpit? And it was just night after night he could not sleep. Finally, early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, he saw a vision of Jesus. And Jesus said, you're my man from now on. It was so startling that he woke his wife and told, him about the, told her about, about the vision. He went back to sleep, and it occurred the second time. He went back to sleep, and it occurred the third time. When he got into the pulpit, he was comforted by the fact that Jesus had appeared to him. Has Jesus ever appeared to you? Billy Burr is a missionary. We had him at our church in Univer at University Church in Waxahachie, and he was sharing with us in the, at the mealtime. One time he and his wife were on the mission field, and they had, uh, their baby had just been born, and his wife was suffering from postpartum depression. I mean, really suffering. Some of you ladies may have been there. And so she was praying and praying, could not seem to get the victory. Billy said one day he was working on a building project. He was on a ladder outside when his wife came running to him, and he said, I could tell when I looked at her, goosebumps were all over her. She said, while I was praying at the house just now, Jesus appeared to me. And he said, everything is going to be all right. And Billy said she began to get better from that point on. I don't know where you're at this morning. You may be like these Emmaus brothers, very sorrowful. But I want you to know, whether you see them or not, whether you see them or not, Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Father, I ask you today that you would reveal Jesus to us. I know this, Lord, that the omnipresence of God allows you to see us, but the manifest presence of God allows us to see you. And Lord, I'm not necessarily asking for all of our eyes to see you in the physical but I am asking for those that are needy among us to see you. Lord, reveal yourself to us today. If there's anybody that is depressed this morning, on this Easter morning, maybe someone's grieving, maybe they've suffered loss, maybe there's a circumstance that has got them low, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, like David the psalmist said, when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord.
Oh, Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Lord, deliver us from all our fears. Deliver us from all our, our difficulties today, I pray in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here, and this is the first order of business. Maybe you're here and you're not even at first base. You're not even a Christian. Well, you're not here by accident or coincidence. You're, you're here by divine appointment. Jesus said, no man cometh unto me except the Father draws him. Praise the Lord. So the Father has drawn you here to meet Jesus. If you're here and you say, I need, I need Jesus. I'm not presently living for Him. If I'm transparent this morning, there's a whole list of infractions against the commandment of God that are on my account. And I recognize that I cannot inherit eternal life in that state. But if Jesus can forgive me and if He can cleanse me and if I'm willing, I'm willing to turn my life over to Him. If that's you, would you just take a step of courage and raise your hand? Anybody? Thank you. Anybody else in this house? Praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here? You may be a Christian, but you're going through it. You're going through it. And you need. <laughs> you remember what they said? They said, my, didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke with us in the way? <laughs> Maybe you're here and you need him to help your heart. <laughs> that's suffering and you need him to help you today yes thank you. anybody else yes ma'am thank you could we all stand please and I'm going to ask us to all everybody not just those that raise their hand but I wonder if we could all this is a wonderful church this is a family if you as a family would come and stand right here just in mass just come right on while I'm speaking. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 